0: Hello Marketeers! Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. Hey Marketeers! This week I'm joined by Krista Heda, CPSM. He is a marketing and business development manager at Capital Engineering Consultants and the SMPS Sacramento past president. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Chris. For those listeners who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself?
1: <laughs> well, good morning, Keelan. Um, I would introduce myself as, hi, I'm Chris Tejeda. I am the marketing business developer manager at Capital Engineering, a mechanical design firm here in Sacramento and in Long Beach, California. And I've been in marketing for, gosh, longer than I care to remember.
0: Excellent. Okay. So then how did you get involved in the AEC industry? What's your story? My story starts,
1: I come from a long family history of marketing in that my dad was if you've ever seen the show Mad Men, he was one of those types of guys back in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Cool. I got started in, and I can kind of mark the moment, I was 12 years old on Maui with my dad. I grew up in Hawaii, and my dad asked me to join him a couple weeks one summer to do a large photo and magazine shoot and be a gopher, go for that, go for this, uh, okay. at, a, at a big photo shoot for the Wailea Maui Golf and Country Club and Hotel. And they were coming out with a brand new hotel with golf and tennis and all this other stuff. And I went with my dad for a week. And it was hard work, intense. You couldn't make mistakes. But it was great fun driving models around in a golf cart, holding light stands and adjusting them to fit the room and taking pictures. and, And just I got the bug early in the very glamorous marketing side of it. Come to find out, it's not always so glamorous, but the bug is still there. And I took that through college, became a marketer in college. But my AEC marketing didn't start until much later in my career. I worked for a lot of ad agencies and other firms doing marketing as marketing communications managers and so forth. But I started with a mechanical engineering firm here about 10 years ago. And that led to where I am at now as the marketing business developer for Capital. And I really haven't been much of a business developer until I hit capital. I was mostly just doing all the marketing, but now I'm a business developer, which I'm coming to find that I just, that's what I am.
0: (laughs) That's what I love to do. It's great fun. It's not even a work. Well, there you go. (laughs) So that brings me to my next question is what do you see yourself as being very good at and how do you think you achieved it? So I guess in this case, how do you think you got to be in BD and so good at it? What brought you there?
1: What brought me there? You know, I look back to my history of growing up in Hawaii and being very people-focused and family-focused, but I think the real trick with business development is you got to love people, first and foremost. If people are bothered to you, a nuisance to you. And it is like my wife, she doesn't, she can't stand BD. She'd much rather sit at home and enjoy a good book and a cup of coffee. But if you love people, loving, talking to people and learning people, that's where my strength is. My grandfather showed me through many times when I would hang out with him, they would come out to visit us in Hawaii every year and he would go to these conferences in Hawaii. He'd walk into a room and never met a person he wasn't a friend. And so he had that natural curiosity and joy of people that I think he passed on to me. And I truly feel that. For me, it's the curiosity of the individual, their work, their lives, their jobs, their families, their, all that stuff, finding out, and learning about people. And through that process, work comes up and you start talking about work and you start talking about projects. But if you start with that curiosity, people open up to it. And everybody likes to talk about themselves. And yeah. I like to hear about people. So it kind of works out human nature-wise, really well.
0: Okay, yeah. I actually have noticed that you seem really comfortable in networking situations. Every time I see you enter a room, there's never like a, a pause of like, who am I going to talk to? You just, you manage to just navigate the entire room really well, which is something I look up to you for. I appreciate um, that. For those of us kind of like myself, who are uncomfortable with a quote-unquote networking Environment. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give?
1: The networking environment is kind of artificial in that you're kind of forced into a room and for like an event, not necessarily an SMPS event, which really just becomes a gathering of friends, but say a, a marketing event or a, some other association event, and you're there to make contacts and it's very purposeful to learn what they're talking about, but then also to make contacts, have a target list, and da 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 da. Very methodical attack of people, attack is probably the wrong word, but engage (laughs) people so that you come away with some ROI that you've met and engaged with some folks and have some future meetings, et cetera. If you come at it with that mindset, it makes it very difficult, very predatory, very salesy. And I know that word is evil to many, but I don't really go at it that way. I really enjoy meeting people and learning about people. And it's amazing how friendly people can be when you're interested in them. Like I go back to curiosity. If you come at it with a really genuine curiosity about who they are as a people, as their, what their company does, how they do it, what makes them interesting, and you don't even talk about yourself, you'll make a lot of friends, you'll make a lot of great contacts that you can discuss projects with later if necessary. Yeah. The purpose of a lot of this networking stuff, and people, I think people put artificial pressure on themselves, To create a new project well that is so rare and so unusual and the timing has to be just perfect they're looking for someone you just happen to bump into them and be the exact what they need rarely if it never happens i much prefer going and learning about the person going and learning about who they are what they do and what makes their job exciting and fun and hard and all that stuff and once you have that a little bit then you can create these conversations and enjoy getting to know them now granted some people don't have a lot to say. And so you glean what you can and then you move on. Or, and the other one is once you go to these things enough, and I'm sure a lot of people, when you first start, it's more challenging than not. But when you first start, you can ask lots of questions because you don't know anything. Your curiosity can go off the charts. Um, But once you start to go to these things and you start to see people you recognize, it makes it a little easier because you have instantaneous like little connectables with people that you can Share and check in on and see how they're doing. But then another one is hey, who should I know here? Asking people who are there, who should I know here? I love Using that. Using their experience and, and literally their ego to say, mm-hmm. who's important to me that I would think you should know. People are very happy to share, if they know anyone, who good contacts would be, and then getting an introduction. And a warm introduction like that is gold from a networking standpoint. And it takes a lot of pressure off you as a marketer, business developer. That to me is my two best strategies. Be curious and enjoy what you're doing. Because if you're looking like you don't want to be there and are scared and all that stuff, you got to put all that away. Just relax. No one's going to shoot you for asking questions. And just enjoy the ride a little bit. And then ask for help from folks who you already know. Yeah, And uh, those two little vulnerable moments of asking for help and being curious are uh, very effective.
0: Perfect. And fun. Yeah, yeah. Out of curiosity, do you still work on proposals? Oh, I'm
1: looking down the barrel of two right now.
0: Okay. So I'm curious Um, how your connections help you with proposals when you know who the decision makers are.
1: Oh, it's critical in a lot of ways. Obviously, you can do a proposal without knowing the owners. Yeah. You're just going with your best instincts and your best guesses and so forth. But here's an example. You know uh, a fine gentleman by the name of Frank Lippert, I'm sure. Yeah. We had hired Frank early on in a when I first started in a proposal, and we were getting ready for an interview, actually. We'd already done the proposal, getting ready for the interview, but we knew nothing of the client, nor had we done the research for it. Hence, we needed a consultant to help us. We're sitting in the the first day of proposal interview training and he gets on the phone and within fifteen to twenty minutes he knew seven of the nine people on the selection committee by making reaching out to his contacts, his networking group, which really helped guide how we were going to cover the needs of each of those representative groups that were gonna be judging the interview. But it was that connection point and you never know what those are gonna be and help with. So for right now, I've got Department of General Services proposal, I'm reading it, and a UC Davis Health proposal. And so the people I've met, either design partners for structural and civil, et cetera, et cetera, who are going to be on our team with us, those marketing folks who I've met and engaged with, they're the ones who I can call on and say, hey, I need a little extra of this. I need a little little more energy, a little more oomph on the narratives here and there, or whatever, or I need it in a quick turnaround. And because of those relationships, they're more likely to help me. And that is of great value. But when it comes to the owners, meeting a few of these UC Davis Health folks at these events and understanding and reaching out to them and saying, my God, what's keeping you up at night? Where is this leading? I see, I hear that you've got this going on, this going on, this going on. Do you have time to sleep kind of thing? And really empathizing with them as as people having to deal with all this work. And then how can our presentation, how can our proposal help you? What do you need to see so that you can sleep and that you can enjoy this process? Yeah. If you come to them bringing human value, human emotional value to your proposal while covering all the bases that they require in the step-by-step, you know, requirements, you got to have all that stuff nailed down. But if you, through the weaving through the narratives, how you can release their fear and doubts and pain then you're way ahead way ahead it, i'd take that over pretty pictures but we do also love pretty pictures cuz it just makes it stand out <laughs> because you, you will have lots of different voices in those meeting those judging but boy if you can narrow in through your connections through whether it's a the secretary the lady who put out the rfq on this particular one she's the administrative secretary for this group and she gathers it all and everything else. I've chatted with her and said, hey, what makes this process easy for you to organize and make it happy so that you're not stressing out? And What can we do on our side to make it easier for you? And she's like, oh my God, thank you. And she just gave me a couple of pointers about follow the exact way we do it, don't go with a nine point a do 10 or 11, things like that, organize it clean, get it here a, a couple hours early if you can, little things like that. And I even put a note in one of them on the top of it saying, I think, I think her name was Layla. Layla, thank you so much for your help. Hope this process is fun for you as well. And, oh, my God, we won that one. I can't guarantee any of that stuff, but it was, you never know where those contacts are going to lead and being curious and being, and sincerely wanting to help them do their job easier.
0: Yeah. Goes a long way. That makes total sense.
1: It must yeah. be so
0: stressful to try and make sure everything is in right before the hour hits.
1: Right. Because, uh, you know, they get pinged b- with lots of people requesting and making sure that they got their stuff and, you know, at the last uh, minute, oh, did this arrive and, da, 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 and all that stuff. And there's a lot of stress on their side as well to make sure that they're not messing up and forgetting or neglecting someone's hard work because they're going to get in trouble if that happens. And so giving them, the, the gatekeepers, a little less stress, boy, it, uh, it makes a good deal. Like, I delivered, I hand-delivered a proposal to LA Unified School District, and Martha took it from me, and I asked her, is there anything in here that you need to understand? And it just kind of chatted with her. And she gave me the receipt and everything else. Because goes, you know, that was very kind of you to ask, if, and just the human side of the interaction. And we certainly made the list on that. I don't know if we won that one, but we certainly made the short list. I don't give credit to anything that I did, but I have a feeling that the people who are the gatekeepers also get a voice to some extent, and it gives you an opportunity to get a warmer welcome in the, uh, in the whole process. And when asked, they will have a positive regard for you, and that's really all you can look for. Yeah. This is over and above being exceptionally professional within your narratives, finding out what the needs are from the client. Everybody tells you these kinds of things. But it's these other little things that you can do, I think, that really help. One, it makes the job fun because you're engaging with people. And two, it gives you just maybe a a nudge more than the rest of the pack. So,
0: I know as a BD person, you travel pretty frequently for work. You mentioned that you have an office in Sacramento and an office in Long Beach. How has your role or your job changed not being able to travel because of, of COVID?
1: From a people person, it has truly sucked. Yeah, uh, the biggest effect that I've experienced is Zoom meetings, team meetings, etc. Are great connectivity. You can bring a lot of people into a space and learn, and but it's really focused on the learning and on the presentation of the materials, not on the networking. It creates very little space, even if you do break up into rooms and things like that it's not nearly as effective from a networking standpoint so really what i've had to do with zero travel is focused on our existing client base as design engineers we deal mostly with architects and with general contractors doing design build work yeah mostly with the architects teams who are putting together a design team for a project and so really my job has been to get to know our architecture design teams period and dive through the list, reach out, make contact, see if they need anything. And early on in the process, it was great because people were like, yeah, no one's talked to me at all. And thank you for calling me and checking in and that kind of thing. People were very open because no one was getting any kind of communication. It it stood out. That kind of of caught on and they became much more selective. They, in general, became more selective in their their phone calls and they got busier. It seems like the industry has picked up. I know it dropped, but now the projects, a new level is kind of forming and projects are picking up. So I have to really be more selective when I bring an issue to an, an architecture firm or say we're trying to court a new architecture firm, we have to work really hard to bring value. And so what we've been doing lately is developing webinar series, especially for the architecture firms. We paid to be a supplier of credits, CEU credits, and got authorized by the AIA and paid the fee to provide uh, classes so they can earn CEU credits. Because there's much less meetings and much less stuff, yeah. they, are, they are struggling. To, you know, they have to earn their CEUs to maintain their licensure. So being able to provide some good information, as well as CEUs for their licensure, has opened up a lot of doors for us to meet, greet, get to know, and exchange and welcome and, and introduce capital to a lot of these folks while adding value and getting to know them. So that's pretty much what we've been doing. A lot of personal phone calls on outreach and then also creating some new ways to engage with our clients in, in areas that we are experts. Sustainability and design, you know, designing in, through this COVID process, architects had a great need for how much information they needed for airflow and all the other mechanical issues that were going to have to be resolved and rejiggered to fit the, uh, the new realities.
0: That's a good that, point. I never thought about that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a whole new game for water. Anything that can cause contamination, water and air, um, yeah. whole new ways of thinking have to be, not necessarily whole new ways, but certainly for a, a classroom Refined. that had a certain type of way of doing it, now has to be changed to make sure that you're mitigating as much as possible the, the contamination and or spread of anything that's
0: airborne interesting yeah, it's, yeah. It's,
1: it's fun i don't i'm not an engineer so i don't understand a lot of it but i understand the value of it i understand how <laughs> important it is and i can sell that i can i can bring the energy and enthusiasm for that
0: yeah i feel like you could bring the energy and enthusiasm to just about <laughs> anything
1: <laughs> well once you get behind it oh it's great oh i was just watching the get, get me tired to talk about rockets and spacex and stuff like that and i will go I'll pull your ear for, for hours.
0: <laughs> so you also have another side to you. Yep. You know, like an many layers. Yes. Many layers. <laughs> <laughs> you are also the past president of the S.M.P.S. Sacramento chapter. Yes. That's how we met. Yep. And from from a past president to another past president, I'm just personally curious. What did you see that you did well in your chapter and what might you have done differently?
1: So first of all, I enjoyed the process. It's like a roller coaster ride. When you're sitting yeah. there and the engine is just kicking away, tick, 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 you start to get excited, you can start to get nervous, you start to, you know, your blood pressure starts to go up. And then you're in the ride and you're just loving it and you're just the hands are up in the air and you're waving and da-da-da. And then as you come down, you have that wind-blown, oh <laughs> moment. Of, oh my gosh, that was exciting. We're kind of at that, I, I, I feel like I'm kind of at that moment now because I've been through my pre-presidency and then my presidency and now I'm coasting in out of the, the presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're making plans for next year with, that don't include me, which is kind of an odd feeling. But, it is, um, isn't it? Yeah, but not necessarily a bad feeling. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> no, yep, yep, yep. It's, it, but what I feel like I did well for the chapter was we gained a lot of new members. We did really, really good on engaging the members with the events and with the socials and with just the human and really pushing the board members to be out in front as welcoming representatives of SMPS as an organization and as people of this industry so that when anyone new came in, we had, you know, your name tag noted, you had a little different color on your name tag if you were a new or, or non-member, to reach out to those folks, make conversations, even our more shy board members, to really engage with them, encourage them, talk to them, see what they need, encourage them to participate, show them the value through your own actions. We did a really good job of that. We had a lot of really good feedback on the human side of, of this. And Sacramento is just a wonderfully welcoming chapter. And I've had people come up who are saying, Sacramento's pretty special. You guys are, it's like I never came to one of these things where I was just completely welcomed and enjoyed myself and got said, so many people said hi to me and that kind of thing. That's kind of the Sacramento vibe is that it's very welcoming, very friendly, very engaging. We did a great job with that. We did a great job with not losing any money. So that was good from a presidential standpoint, passing it on. Uh, you know, that's a victory. We made a little money, but our goal is not to make money. It was to not, my job was to spend it wisely, not lose any and make good decisions when it came to spending it. And I think that was probably, you know, and that showed up in how tight the board was as friends and as people and as as a working unit and as how effective our events and programs were. What I would have liked to have done a little better is more of the processes and procedures, developing those a little more, flesh them out a little more, uh, make it easier for them to do this and not having to reinvent anything, but be flexible enough to say, yeah, that doesn't work, let's do it differently to keep it moving forward.
0: Well, I'm not surprised that your strength had a human element to it. Yeah,
1: that was easy for me to lean into and really be as engaging as possible with not only the board, encouraging them to be great in what they did, and they were, oh my Lord. I was so blessed with a board who was, had some experience, cared deeply about what they were doing for this, understood that they were being of service Mm -hmm. Uh, to this chapter, and it wasn't egos. These were people who wanted to do well and do really good work. You can't ask for anything more than that. I mean, it was was glorious. Well done. Yeah, thank you. And thank you to you. You, Your chapter was rocking it too. Based on how it's moving forward now, you did a
0: fine job yourself. Oh, thank you. It's always good to hear. (laughs) What advice would you give someone who's just starting out in this industry? From
1: a marketing standpoint, I'd say learn, learn, learn and stay learning. Develop a learning mindset that you are never going to know enough. Marketing, we have to be changing and accepting and embracing change and growth all the time. If you're not, you're falling behind. If you're not staying up on the social media, you're not staying up on the latest media sources and influencers and other media types and or design looks and feels. Look at other industries. How are they designing things? If you can bring a little look and feel from the fashion industry or the, the automotive industry or some other things who are on the cutting edge of marketing design, bring a little bit of that flavor into your proposals. It will make a difference. So keep learning, stay creative, stay, look for ways to be creative and, and to be courageous in that. And then if you're coming into the AEC marketing world, first of all, join SMPS. When I started with capital engineering four and a half years ago, in my interview, the HR director asked me, oh, are you a member of SMPS? And at the time I was working for a mechanical contractor and I said to her, no, my current firm doesn't really see the value in it and left it at that. Interview went great. I go out to the parking lot, whip out my cell phone and say, what the heck is SMPS? Had no idea what this organization was Had never heard of those four letters put together like that. I all of a sudden realized, oh my God, this is a Organization for AEC Marketing. This is my people. These are. This is a, such a tight little niche. How could this be so big? And how could this be such a thing? And the moment I got the job, the first week I joined, and I went to my first event, and that first meeting, I met Frank Lippert, who's a fellow, and he said, "You're on my committee. Come here. You're on my committee. Didn't, didn't even give me an option." And You're I, voluntold. I was volunteered, and <laughs> gratefully so, because uh, it made a huge difference. And within a year, I was on the The board, and now we're here. And I didn't realize how important that organization was to this industry's marketing team uh, until I experienced it for myself. And it is vital from an education standpoint, from a networking standpoint, from a collaboration standpoint. It's crazy important.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Last question. Who do you look up to professionally, personally? Do you have mentors? Who are they?
1: From a personal standpoint, it would have to be the person who, from an example of how to live their lives, how to be a good person, how to endure, how to grow, would be my mother. When I was 12, my father passed away, and she had four children under the age of 13. And she and was not working, and so had to reconfigure her whole existence to figure out how to raise and support these children of hers. And she did an awesome job and endured a lot, of, a lot of stress and a lot of heartache and a lot of work to make that happen. And so from a human standpoint, whenever I think I have it rough, I am quickly reminded that no, you don't. You don't, you don't know what endurance means. So I, uh, it, it helps to clarify and give perspective on, on, on life in general. And she's still one of my best friends. So that's great. As from a professional standpoint, gosh, there's been so many, and it kind of comes and goes depending on what I'm doing. Gabe Lett, who is out of Ozarks, I've watched him and chatted with him and watched him do his stuff, and just an amazing talent in a lot of different ways and as a human being. Frank Lippert, another great example of a marketing professional. I've used all these folks, younger than me, older than me, to mentor me, to make me better.
0: Yeah, I I like that you brought up that a mentor doesn't have to be someone older than you.
1: Oh no, gosh, no. There's a there's a principal in my office who's younger than me, because I'm one of the I'm an older but a young at heart. And I see him work as an engineer and his creativity and his engagement with his clients, it's phenomenal. It's it's a rare, rare bird for an engineer to be so personable, so engaging, so professional and great at engineering and creative and all that stuff. He's a wonder to watch. I really enjoy working with him. Excellent. Like I like working with you, my dear. Very happy <laughs> to get to know you and to get to know the OC chapter and uh, to be part of this. I'm so grateful that you included me on yeah, your podcast. thank you. This is, this is, uh, this is very great. exciting. I'm sure it'll go very far. And I love the term marketeer. Thank um, you. We'll have to come up with a theme song and some ears and we'll be good. <laughs>
0: to come up with a theme song <laughs> yes it'll be awesome perfect can't wait all for right. it excellent all right well thank you so much chris i oh, really enjoyed Thanks for this
1: including me i really enjoyed it
0: yeah all right have a good day
1: thank you too bye bye
0: hello all you lovely marketeers i hope you enjoyed listening to chris tejeda's episode as much as i enjoyed interviewing him And I hope you were able to take away a few little tips and tricks on business development and networking. Next week, we have on Leanne Abraham to talk about the Berkman test, which is a personality assessment tool. And she'll delve into recruiting and mediating based on your personality types. I'm super excited for you guys to hear this episode. So if you haven't already, please subscribe so that you don't miss it. New episodes are released every Wednesday. Chat soon.